Previously on Hound Radio's Arch Campbell podcast. Television has always been on our own terms mm-hmm. and movies are always on the movie's terms. So mm-hmm. you're, you're sort of submit to a movie where television, you can pause it. You know, it exists for yeah. us. It's more of, of our little buddy where like where uh, uh, movies are our overlord. You know, we bow <laughs> down to movies. And I think people, I think people resent that. The Arch Campbell podcast featuring Arch, Lou Katz, and a cast of thousands begins now. Well, that was our pal Oliver Jones in LA, the teacher and correspondent, and as many of you know, the son of beloved DC critic, Davy Marlin Jones. And I love when Oliver comes on and he just explained the difference between movies and streaming. I'm Arch Campbell, and this is the podcast that tries to keep you up to date on the ever-changing world of entertainment. Luke Katz is directing and producing. That I am. Everything ship-shape at podcast headquarters. Yeah, we're still counting down the final votes to see if I get this right or not, you know? So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still working I on it. I think you're ahead I hope. that race. <laughs> Our guests today include two star entertainment reviewers and writers for New York Magazine and Vulture, and they are two of our longtime dear friends, Jen Cheney and Rocky Haddadi. Yeah. Welcome to you both. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you, you very so much. So happy to have you here. Always a pleasure. And I think uh, the thing on everybody's mind uh, this week is the crown. So let's just jump right in on that. And uh, and what are your thoughts on season five? And personally, I can't wait. I've, I've cleared <laughs> the rest of my week. Oh, I oh, wish no. I could do that. Yeah, that would be so nice. I'd love to clear my week. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you should go first. You properly reviewed it. Yeah, uh, you know, it's still an absorbing show to watch, but I found this season to, you know, They've always obviously been jumping through time. Every couple seasons, we get some cast changes. And the last time they did that, it it was pretty seamless. I was actually surprised. This time, yeah. it feels a little less seamless to me. Mm. Um, and it's it's not necessarily the casting choices, um, although I, I do have a hard time seeing Dominic West as Prince Charles. It's yes, just, it's just a really friend hard of mine <laughs> immediately jumped in on that and said that Dominic West is too good looking to be I mean, French Charles. I mean, I mean, there it is. <laughs> um, you know, the the actor who played Prince Charles last time, whose name has just flown right out of my head, Josh. Josh Charles? No, Charles, no. See, is I was going to say Josh Charles, and I'm like, no, that's uh, not him. There, <laughs> Josh aren't, aren't, aren't there many Josh Charleses? We have like a UK version and like an American version. Well, don't you think it's appropriate that we can't even think of the guy's name? No, because he did a good job, and he's <laughs> yeah, he's he was handsome too, and is handsome, but he looked just enough like Charles, and they shot him from certain angles that that you were like, okay, I can see him being a young Charles. I think yeah. now we're in an era where. You know, this is a, an older Charles and the one that is more sort of fixed in our consciousness. And it's not that Dominic West isn't doing a good job as an actor. It's just I, I couldn't get past the Dominic Westness of it. Um, and especially in contrast to Elizabeth Debicki <laughs> being cast as Princess Diana, who is like a dead ringer for Princess Diana. She just yeah. looks so much like her. 
Um, it's pretty wild. But uh, I think a lot of it, too, is the, the writing feels like it's shifted a little bit. I feel like mm. this season is particularly sympathetic to Prince Charles and maybe mm. not as sympathetic to Diana as it was in the prior season. She's at breaking point because of the way she feels she's been treated. They see her as a threat. Remember the one condition, the one rule. You remain loyal to this family. You're silent. Yes, it's a system. For better or for worse, we're all stuck in it. And I also feel like Queen Elizabeth in this season, she's still the center of it, but she recedes a little bit. And I feel like things are happening to her rather than seeing her take action. Yeah, so Imelda Stanton. Imelda Stanton is playing her this time, yeah. Uh, and again, wonderful actress. It's no reflection on her. Um, so, so I had some issues with this season, but I still enjoyed watching it. I'm sure you will too. I'm sure everybody will be talking about it, given all the royal discussions that have been going on in the culture and the loss of yeah. The queen. I mean, you know what timing? Yeah, uh, and, and it it does influence us the timing and and the belovedness of the queen and her passing. It feels, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if I want to say it feels influenced by the passing, but I do think the pro-Charles angle is sort of disconcerting. Now, this is the first season that I've watched. I otherwise was very anti the crown as I find it like monarchy propaganda, but I, I just was surprised by how sympathetic it was in every way to Charles being a child of the 90s and being so like, fixated by Diana and what she seemed to represent about breaking away from the monarchy. So I was a little thrown. It felt imbalanced. And then Jen told me that it didn't feel that imbalanced before. Then it only added to my sense that it was monarchy propaganda. <laughs> well, and you know, but Josh O'Connor, we Josh we O'Connor. Oh. Yeah. We were learning things. I, you mm -hmm. know, I didn't know about, uh, uh, the uh, husband's connection to Greece. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that much about uh, the young queen. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it was new information. This is stuff we've, we filed away. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, the, the sort of the narrative that has always kind of dominated to me is that the villain in that marriage was Charles, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which maybe that's an overly simplistic view of it. So I appreciate trying to bring some nuance, but I feel like it tilted a little too much in the other direction to the point where it's like, you know, Charles is the one who was really trying to modernize the monarchy. I'm like, I feel like that was something Diana did. Like, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I don't it, know. This season, this season feels like it forgot that Diana did things in the world. Yes. And I don't know if that's because of COVID. And so they wanted to have a more intimate narrative to fit those restrictions. But there's a lot of Diana, like, swimming sadly by herself <laughs> and like a lot of the diana and i remember of this time was like doing things yeah so, yeah it just it feels very imbalanced but yes i mean everyone will watch it it'll spark a whole new round of discourse and all of that i also am very sort of wary about how they handle everything with muhammad and dodi um just because like we are now getting to the point where i believe the crown had said they wouldn't show the crash but then there were some leaked paparazzi photos of them filming the chase and so there's part of me also that is just a little bit like how far 
do we sort of take this? Mm-hmm. That's a question that I don't know we have an answer for yet. Yeah, because we don't, it stops before we get to that point. It's like 96, mm-hmm. I think, when... Well, the time is very fluid. You're right, Jen. Like, the time, I was like, how how fast are we going through this season? It felt like six years collapsed very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, let me ask both of you, uh, where is this series leading? You know, uh, where do you think we're going with this? Well, do we only... just go to the Queen's death? Oh, like how the next season yeah. is the last season. So I guess you're asking like how how up uh, to the moment will it go? Yeah. And I, that's a good, great question. I'd always suggested it was going to go to the present day, but like that's a lot of ground to cover in one season. Unless there's some kind of time jump. Yeah, right, right. Mm. Which maybe. I... Speaking of Dominic West as uh, the prince, I'm reminded there's a local Washington television piece of gossip about uh, a local television station. It's Channel 7. Do you know this story? Prince Charles came to town and the owners had a relationship with uh, the royal family because of the Bank of England. And the photographer took a cutaway shot, which uh, showed the uh, the prince's bald spot. Oh no! Oh. <laughs> no! <laughs> and allegedly, you know, you could take the story's uh, ending from there. People got fired, and teeth were gnashed, and who uh, complained? I don't know. But so when I see that big head of hair on Dominic West. I'm thinking, what? What <laughs> prince is this? He's definitely not bald in this. <laughs> this is Arch's like one historical gripe. He's like, everything else is dramatic license, but the hair is really a problem. Uh, yeah, right. It could be a guy thing. Uh, you think? Uh, yeah. Well, so let's go into uh, Jen. Uh, what are you watching? What are you liking these days? Uh, well, let's see. I mean, I've been watching, obviously, The Crown. I was kind of immersed in that. Um, yeah. I can't really, I don't think I can talk about it yet, but um, the last season of Dead to Me is coming in a couple weeks. Oh, oh I love that. Yeah. Love that. We just have a few questions. Why? Steve's death. You're hit and run. I just have this feeling it might all be connected. You know, you may have read the New York Times article about Christina Applegate, who was diagnosed with MS. Uh, mm. not too long ago. And it's really remarkable um, how good she is in this season because she she's lost some of her mobility. She's gained a, a fair amount of weight because she can't, you know, she, she isn't able to move around the way that she once did. So they had to get a little bit creative in terms of how she was able to do her scenes um, with the blocking and things like that. But she still is, she's so great. Her <laughs> chemistry with Linda Cardellini is wonderful. Um, so I've been watching that. And that comes out on November 17th on Netflix. Mm. Uh, I've been watching Fleischman is in Trouble, which is coming to, it's an FX show, but I believe it's coming straight to Hulu, uh, just like The Patient. And mm. uh, I read that book. And uh, I think this is a pretty good adaptation of that book, although I have mixed feelings about Jesse Eisenberg in the main role. Um, but I do like it. Now, what's the name again? Fleischman is in Trouble. And uh, what's the uh, setup? What's the plot? So this is uh, an adaptation of the novel by Taffy Broadiser Ackner. It's about uh, a guy living on the Upper East Side. He's not happy in his marriage. He's going through divorce. 
and uh, his wife just disappears. Like she she goes on oh, a trip. yeah. And she leaves the kids with him, and she and he cannot figure out where she is. You've reached Rachel Fleischman. Is she still gone? I'm starting to think that it hasn't really gone on this long, you know? What if something has happened to her? Uh, how many episodes? I think it's 10, I believe. Okay. Hmm. How many have you watched, Doug? I've watched two or three. I still okay. need to watch more. So, Rocky, I know you've been watching uh, White Lotus season two, and I, I very have. much enjoyed uh, your analysis oh, of thank the you. second season, and it uh, resonated with me. Oh, tell me more. I don't care about it. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't get. There's just, just something about <laughs> it that feels like it's missing to me, and I don't uh -huh. know if it was like the speed with which they had to put out a second season or if it's changing the fact that now it's like the romantic relationships that are primary and class has sort of taken a back seat but there's something about it i mean technically i understand still how well made it is and how well done the acting is but there's something about the story that is not gripping me in the same way whenever i stay at a white lotus i always have a memorable time now that he's loaded, you think he regrets marrying such a dud? What is going on with you? There's a reason they invited us here. It's like you sold your company, you got rich, and now he's your best friend. Are these the kind of people we're going to be hanging out with now? I um, do like uh, Aubrey Plaza a lot. Yeah, Aubrey she Plaza is great. clearly disapproves. Yes. Aubrey <laughs> like Plaza is great, and I, I feel like they've done a good job making jennifer coolidge's character more hateable which sort of uh, adds an interesting twist to things um but that's you know your previous crown about your your previous question about the crown like where is this going i feel like i've watched five episodes of the white lotus and there are seven total and i'm still like where could this go <laughs> so the final episode felt like it was you know actually taking some interesting narrative risk and so maybe i'll watch the final two and i will think it's wonderful or something uh but yeah for now it's sort of taken a bit of a backseat to season one and jen, it just jen, looks like the same, the same thing yeah jen you felt the Somebody... same way right um i think i enjoy it a I little more you than you more. but yeah. uh, but i agree absolutely that it doesn't have the teeth that the first season does yeah and there is some stuff about classism in this but it's absolutely mm -hmm. taking a backseat to more of like sexual and gender politics. Yeah. Um, and 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 it is really like hitting some of the same beats as season one to the point of like you know, mirroring even similar scenes. Mm -hmm. Um oh. which is which is kind of interesting to me, but it's also like, okay, yeah. we, we've seen this. Yeah. So what what new do you have to say? Yeah. And I feel what like there's not doing? enough, there's not enough newness up front to uh for me and obviously for both yeah. of you, I guess. Well, and maybe like the intentionality of that, of the similarity of certain setups and how they're shot and certain scenes, like maybe all of that will come to an end. Yeah, I feel like there's a reason. I, like, I don't think it's pure laziness. I think that that yeah. Mike White is is doing is trying to say something with it, but I need to yeah. see the whole thing to yeah. figure out what it what that is and how effective it was. Yes, Arch is yes. just shaking his head. Yeah, Arch I, is just, just not working for Arch at all. I, I'm just, I'm just not. I'm I'm done with it. I think. Wow. I, I, 
done with uh, it, Arch. I, I watched the first you episode. You watched all of Ozark, Ozark and you're already done with White Lotus. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Ozark was like a decade of your life. <laughs> I'm yes. shocked. And the time goes so fast. I know. I know. What Just else am like I watching? <laughs> uh, the other thing I'm watching that every week I am shocked that I love as much as I do is Andor on Disney Plus, the latest Star Wars show. We've chosen a side. We're fighting against the dark. Time has come to force our hand. At what cost? Everything. Uh, it's basically a prequel to the movie Rogue One, which I think was like one of the best things Star Wars has done recently. It's from Tony Gilroy, you know, of my beloved Michael Clayton. Um, and it's really good. I mean, I'm sorry, Jen knows this is every week in our uh, in our workspace. I'm like, it's so good. But um, I think it's very thoughtful, and I think it's making some very smart uh, political analyses about how the empire works, which feels very uh, timely for the world that we're in right now. Uh, and I think that it is just very solidly put together. They've done this thing where the 12 episodes of the first season are sort of broken into narrative blocks. So like each set of three episodes sort of follows its own mini narrative. Uh, and from an episodic perspective, that means that sometimes the episodes end kind of abruptly. But if you go back and you watch them sort of in those collectives, they come together really well. So I'm really enjoying that. There are two episodes left in this season and they just started filming season two, which will be the last. It was only ever intended to be two seasons. And uh, I would recommend it That's to good. anyone. Yeah. Jen, uh, I love uh, an article you wrote on The Watcher. <laughs> and particularly your reference to Bobby Carnavale running around with his eyes bulging. <laughs> That's and I noticed <laughs> Saturday Night Live made fun of it this weekend. Mm -hmm. which I did appreciate. Uh, that's another thing. I, I watched the whole thing, and I really, I'd like to get those minutes back in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know what? It was very silly and ridiculous, and I just kind of enjoyed how silly and ridiculous it was. And it, maybe it's because, you know, I had somewhat recently come off of Dahmer, and so it was a Ryan Murphy show that was at least, like, kind of oh. funny. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but, you know, they announced they're making a second season. How? Oh, How and why? Well, I know why, oh. because tons of people watched it. They're making more, uh, I guess, the, the Dahmer show is now an anthology of various monsters, so they're going to have another season of that. Serial killer shared universe. I, I, I call it Ameri American killer story. That's yeah, that's it. right. It's true. It's sort of depressing to me that we couldn't get a movie version of the dark universe. We were like, ooh, iconic horror characters. No. Serial killers. Yes. Well, we we don't know for sure that they're going to be serial killers. Mm, the, the Jen... way they, they, I mean, they probably will. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but they, they, they couched their description of what the show will be in, in future seasons as like monsters in general who have caused problems for society. And I'm like, oh, so there's going to be a Trump season, huh? Like, yeah. that's, it, it feels like they're trying to like... <laughs> that's a good point. In the language that they're using. Yeah. Yeah. That's terrible. So... The Watcher was fun. I mean, The Watcher was silly and like... It didn't, you know, do anything, but I watched the whole thing in a day. I found it very oh. easy to watch. Yeah. Oh. We moved out here because we wanted to feel safe. And the opposite's happening. 
never felt more unsafe in my life. What do both of you think of this idea of journalism inspiring series television now, which seems to be something people have decided to talk about, that The Watcher was a real story, and and of course The Crown, and uh Inventing and various Anna. other things, and people are writing Drop magazine out. articles mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. selling them for $300,000, so well, HBO will make a series. What do you I think? I mean, movies have done that for a long yeah. time. Yeah. I don't necessarily think it's that weird for TV to be doing it. I just think that it uh, is very hit or miss. I mean, The Dropout was amazing. I think everything yes. about that was... That's one of my favorites of the year. Yeah, I think that did a good job explaining everything narratively that happened making very clear the lies they were telling and what they intended to do versus what they actually did uh and i think it took a sort of clear-eyed look at who the people are i i think you know a lot of these other adaptations have been messier i mean i thought inventing anna was horrible (laughs) just not good at all and sort of mistaking who our sympathies are supposed to be with so I don't know. I think any adaptation can be hit or miss. Um, but I also think because so many streamers just want content, there is this desperation pull from anywhere you can get it. I mean, House of the Dragon, which was the Game of Thrones prequel, is based on like a nonfiction history book within that universe, right? So it's like, I think anywhere there's a vaguely compelling idea is going to be turned into content. Yeah, I mean, I I think, Arch, you're you're right that there has been a noticeable amount of shows like that this year that are based on podcasts or, like you said, based on articles. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, The Watcher was based on an article Mm -hmm. that one of our colleagues Mm -hmm. wrote. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much money he made for it, uh, but (laughs) Um, and that again, like Rocky said, that does happen. But I think I think what it is, is that as we know, and as Rocky was just alluding to, like every streamer is, is looking to mine existing intellectual property and the fact of the matter is that a story you know even if it's not star wars or marvel or dc comics is ip uh Mm -hmm. this is something i talked about with sam sanders on the podcast he does for vulture like serial killers are ip jeffrey dahmer is now ip because people know know that name and it's even if it you know just that little amount of recognition gives somebody green lighting a show the the confidence that like well somebody will watch this right at least watch some of it and I do think that it, you know, there's such a, a blurriness between truth and propaganda and just outright lies in our culture. And the one thing I do worry about is that sometimes taking these quote real stories and making them into shows and maybe taking some creative liberties is just adding to that sense of like what is actually the truth. Um, yeah. Did either of you see The Good Nurse on Netflix? And no. I also understand there's a documentary on it. And the yeah. uh, the Netflix movie, which played theaters theatrically mm-hmm. as well, was uh, quite well done, real efficient, ninety minutes, and you know the story of a of a bad guy in a hospital who was uh, over medicating people to their death uh, just for the fun of it. So I just thought of that. <laughs> just <'cause> yeah. I... <laughs> well, well, and actually... sort of in in TV, we got. Dr. Death, right? So I mean, like, uh-huh. there are, <laughs> I think something, this is too cynical, maybe, but there's always going to be something incredibly terrible happening <laughs> that we could turn into a TV show or a movie. Yeah. I think that's truism. Mm-hmm. The thing with the good nurse is I noticed it was playing at the Avalon. 
Mm-hmm. And I turned on Netflix and there it was streaming. It was right there, yeah. And uh, what do you think of that? I think you stayed home. <laughs> <laughs> I think you did not go to the Athlon. <laughs> What's going on in a uh, movie? Anything else you want to say about streaming, TV, series, anything? Uh, I think we're good. Yeah, I think we're good. Yeah. You're watching the reboot guy in L.A. told me to watch the reboot, the uh, comedy, uh, and I just, uh, yeah. <laughs> I watched the first episode. This was a while yeah. ago. This was like over yeah. the summer. Um, and I didn't uh, love the first episode and I didn't no. go back to it. Yeah, but, no. But some Same, people really like it. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <you> <laughs> uh, shall we talk about the Banshees of, uh, gosh, I hope I can say this right. Inishirin, yes. Banshees of Inishirin. Yeah, I haven't seen. I haven't seen it, so I'm very, very curious about your guys' conversation. Jen, I, I really liked it. I mean, I saw that like a month ago, I guess maybe, mm-hmm. and it, it has really stuck with me. Uh, you know, it's it's a movie about, about the most low stakes thing, or at least it seems to be low stakes, which is these two men living on this fictional um, island off of I- uh, the coast of Ireland. And yeah. uh, it's, I believe the early 1900s. I can't remember. Exactly 1924, what I Thank think. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, Brendan Gleeson's character just decides he doesn't want to talk to Colin Farrell anymore. Mm-hmm. And Colin Farrell's like, why? We were friends yesterday. And he's like, yeah, but I don't I don't like you anymore. He's like, what? Now, if I've done something to you. Just tell me what I've done to you. When you didn't do anything to me. I just don't like you no more. You liked me yesterday. And so so the whole movie is about Colin Farrell, like, among other things. But it's about, like, him trying to figure out why his friend suddenly does not want to speak with him. Uh, And it goes to some really bizarre places. But I just, it was one of those movies where it's like, this is a whole world that is, like, completely foreign to what our world looks like. And I just loved being kind of immersed in it. I thought Colin Farrell delivered just a, just a heartbreaking performance, maybe the best performance he's ever given. Um, and there's a donkey in it named Jenny, and I love her. <laughs> the year of the donkey, the, right? A lot of yeah. donkey movies this yeah. year. Yeah, you know the mix of the music and the scenery and the uh, the the accents, the dialogue, and uh, and then at some point, I would find myself laughing out loud. That's, you know, and not at a punchline or anything, but just like uh, I needed the release. Um, yeah, it's, it's a movie with its own sort of like rhythms. And I mean, it's dark comedy, but it's 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 just an unusual movie. And I just don't know how, yeah. you know, people who are more used to mainstream movies will respond to it. But I thought it was great. Exactly. Does it feel, does it feel like I'm a thinking. rebound from three billboards, Jen? I hate three billboards, but I but this is certainly a better movie. I have less good. less nitpicking to do about it than, no, than that one. Hmm. So I'm I'm thinking it's it's going to be in the award discussions, and uh, and maybe even win an award for Colin Farrell. And I'm wondering if it's the kind of movie people will go to see and walk out scratching their heads, it's, which you just alluded to. Yeah, I mean maybe they will, but that's not a bad thing. <laughs> Well, well God forbid true. you think about what you watched for a while and try to understand it. <laughs> Jen Cheney said, use your brains. That's what she said. <laughs> what a concept. 
Uh, any discussion of Tar with Kate Blanchett? I still haven't seen Tar. I really want to mm -hmm. see it. Wow. Yeah. I we know. saw it. We're the problem. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, I'm at the demographic that uh, three hours at a movie, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I was blown away by mm -hmm. her performance, yeah. just blown away. And I saw something about the the music world that uh, I've just I've always thought musicians and music lived in this secret world <laughs> that the rest of us are just not welcome to uh, to be in. And uh, and they got something about that world, and as there is a cancel culture plot to this involving the uh, the very uh, the genius uh, female uh, conductor. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure people will have plenty to say about that. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I just I thought it was extraordinary. Yeah, it's definitely on my list of things to see. Uh, and. I mean, I would be shocked if Kate Blanchett's not in the Oscar conversation. I would right. imagine she will be. There's, you know. And I can't imagine not seeing it in the theater. So I guess that's good news, huh? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. I've seen, I've seen like a, a rolling wave of sort of pushback to that movie. Mm -hmm. So I'm yeah. sort of curious, yeah. like where the conversation goes uh but i am slightly wary of the scene that i have heard about where a uh student like criticizes her mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so a little curious about watching that one but... tell me more about the pushback you're hearing the pushback i'm hearing is specifically about that scene about how it feels like for the most part you sort of I don't want to say sympathize, but you're attracted to Kate Blanchett's character and sort of her performance. And so there is this scene, by my understanding, where a student of color attempts to like call her out for her behavior. Uh, and what I had heard just was that the scene feels sort of perfunctory. Like the movie knew that it needed someone to sort of push back against her but that the scene feels written in a way that is also meant to diminish the student and their concerns and their complaints against her. Mm. Now, I thought it was a white man, okay. but I'm not going to stake my, uh, well, I have no reputation. <laughs> I could also be wrong. I thought that I had heard that it was like a student who identifies as part of a marginalized community. So I could be wrong. On that uh, well, that's a guess. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not going to stand by that. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I just, I think it's, uh, it's still one of those things that movies, I don't, I'm still struggling with the position of movies these days. Mm -hmm. I'm going, I love to go and I support the Avalon theater as much Unless as I can. Unless movies on Netflix, and then I'm just going to stay home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I would have done the same thing. So what if Netflix uh, takes over the uh, Uptown? Have you heard that uh, rumor? 
I've heard the rumor, but yeah, I, I, has anything rumor. come of it? I, I feel like that rumor oh, of was course circulating not. for a while. Yeah, <laughs> Prince Charles was talking about it when they showed his bald spot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's turn it over to Lou Katz for a moment. Remind us that we come to you uh, in all these different platforms as well as on Hound Radio. That's right, and we love dogs at Hound Radio. Here's proof. Hound Radio's leash-leading canine expert, Faith Lapidus, is back with another look into the wonderful world of dogs. We know that dogs are super sniffers, but how about another one of their senses, sight? In some ways, our vision is better than theirs. We each have light-sensitive cells in our eyes called rods and cones. Cones help us recognize colors and details. Rods are good at picking up motion and seeing in dim light. We have more cones in our eyes than dogs do, and they have more rods. So our vision is colorful and sharper, close up and in the distance. Dogs, on the other hand, could be considered nearsighted, and their world is one of muted shades of blue and yellow. However, dogs are champs when it comes to detecting motion. That's why rabbits freeze when they sense a dog nearby. And in addition to having more rods than us, dogs have a shiny layer in the back of their eyes, which reflects light back and forth against the lens. So they see better in the dark than we can. Like people though, a dog's vision tends to worsen as they age. So ask your vet about the best nutrients to keep their eyes healthy. I'm Faith Lapidus for Hound Radio. You know, Jen, uh, you were on this show. You have been on this show uh, a lot, and uh, I really appreciate it. And you used to throw odd questions at the rest of us called flashbacks and favorites, which was one of my favorite things. And I don't mean to put you on the spot, but do you have anything you'd like to uh, just sort of uh, poke us with? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this last night, which oh. was uh, election night, and then I was like, I got to come up with something, and then I forgot about it until just now. <laughs> Great. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think what I can ask you guys. Actually, I, I did have a question, and I couldn't come up with my own answer, and this is a question that Arch is going to hate, so I guess I'll just ask it. Uh, last, last weekend was the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony, which mm-hmm. is going to be broadcast on HBO in a couple weeks. Uh, I'm wondering if there's anyone that hasn't been inducted yet that you feel really strongly should be in there. Ooh. Is that a question for everyone? It is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Are the Red Hot Chili Peppers in? I'm going to double check. Okay. Uh, That's my vote. Positive. That's your vote. Okay. That's my vote. Mm. I don't think they are. Is Van Clyburn in? <laughs> yeah. Well, no. I'm thinking of the Kennedy Center Honors. He definitely has a Kennedy Center Honors. <laughs> he was in the Kennedy Center Honors. <laughs> uh the chili peppers were inducted into the hall of fame so okay good good hmm who else this is such an interesting question uh well, we i feel know like jerry lee lewis was in thanks to yeah. his obit i feel like nine inch nails is in because i think i remember mm-hmm. seeing that induction ceremony when do we acknowledge that there isn't good rock music being made anymore should we talk about that yeah um... well there you go <laughs> Jen- I- I don't know if that's entirely true. It's just not. It's just not. It's just something that I want to say in my cranky uh, anti-music mood. Uh... <laughs> Rocky, don't tempt me to talk about Harry Styles because well, I know how I about this weird owl? In <laughs> well, that's a good question. Weird owl? Not. I don't think so. That's well, great. That's a great suggestion. It. Maybe that. Maybe that's this year. 
Cleared out uh, should be in. That's a great idea. That would be so Lou fun. Lou Katz worked in contemporary radio for 40 years. Surely you've got a, a contribution. You know, as you guys were talking about this, Weird Al did come up in my mind was the first thing. So I... <laughs> All right. So there you go. I think we vote for Weird Al. My answer my entire life was Duran Duran, and they just got inducted. So now what am I supposed to do? (laughs) I don't have anything to be mad about. Yeah, no, it's over. The world's a better place. So So, uh, what should we we recommend for this weekend? I mean, should we recommend Weird? Yes, absolutely. The Weird Al Yankovic movie. Do I know you? Madonna, I was wondering if you were going to do a parody of my song. Like a virgin. I'm curious, is that song autobiographical? Yes. <laughs> Except for the fact that I've had a lot of sex. It's on uh, Roku channel, which you can su- subscribe to without having a Roku box. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's supposed to be, of course, a, a biopic about Weird Al, but this being Weird Al, it's a parody of a biopic about Weird Al. But it's just <laughs> ridiculous and silly, and I, I just got a huge kick out of it. It's so absurd. And has just amazing cameos in it, like from people in the comedy world. And it's, yeah, it's really, I thought it was very enjoyable. Radcliffe is wonderful. He is. I think this is the best thing he's ever done. Yeah. Radcliffe and I include is... all the Harry Potter movies. <laughs> yeah. I think that's fair. I mean, I think Radcliffe, like Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart is just doing like very interesting with the security of the franchise money. <laughs> right. Is doing very right. interesting sort of odd things that I feel like uh, when I was watching it, I was like, I don't know anyone else who could do this. Mm-hmm. Which he's is- he's one of the few people who really uh managed to uh, grow beyond Harry mm-hmm. Potter or you know mm-hmm. whatever his franchise was. Mm-hmm. Can we think of of who do we who comes to mind who 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 didn't? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm There's sure there are people question. we could come. Yeah, I'm sure we could think yeah. of people. Uh, well, I, I mean, all three of the leads in Harry Potter have done okay. Like yeah, Emma Watson and Rupert. I think they've all done all right. Yeah. Yeah. Radcliffe is quite talented. So, yeah. uh, so good for it. That's a great uh, catch for the weekend. Yeah. Weird on, and you gotta, you subscribe to Roku for a week. And then if you're, uh, <laughs> if you can remember, you unsubscribe. If you also yeah. have Roku, I mean, I have a Roku and I love it. So, yeah, it's a good what suggestion. Is, what does Roku do? <laughs> oh, it, like, it's just, it's, <laughs> it houses all of my apps. So, like, when I turn on my Roku, oh. that's how I then access Amazon Prime or whatever. It's if you don't have a smart TV, a Roku oh. just works with any any TV. Jen made me buy a smart TV. Oh, nice. <laughs> no. Two or three of them. <laughs> Force you to. Uh, and I guess, I mean, is the other suggestion The Crown? People are going to watch it. It's an easy suggestion to the make. The Crown. Um, yeah. I was going to suggest um, a show on yet another app, <laughs> uh, Freebie, which is really, it's, it's just like another Amazon kind of platform. Yeah. Um, it's a show called High School. It's based mm-hmm. on the book that Tegan and Sarah, the indie pop duo, who are twin sisters, wrote about their um, experiences in high school in the 90s. And it's such a wonderful, just really well-observed show uh, that I feel like nobody's going to see because they don't know what Freebie is. Um, but it doesn't cost anything because it's free. Uh, so if you if you have some time, that's a show absolutely worth watching. Okay, if you have well... Freebie already, you should also watch Sprung which is from, I think from the guy who made Raising Hope, but yeah, it's about oh, uh, cool. some like nonviolent criminals who get released well, during COVID and then fly the heist. Freebies are us. Yes. 
And, yes. and on that note, I just want to uh, say how, how wonderful it is always to talk with uh, Jen Cheney and Rocky Gadotti. And I love your uh, your work. And, uh, and it's always great to hear from both of you. Lou Katz, thank you for producing. My pleasure. Uh, we'll be back next week. And uh, here's to the crown. This is the Cats Podcasting System, where it's not just a podcast, but a podcast.